0: So, a bit of a surprise, the Bank of England has lifted rates a bit, despite lots of reasons why they might choose not to, but there again, the Aussie employment numbers yesterday, you might think would be a good reason for the RBA to be bringing their timeline forward, but from what Philip Lowe was saying yesterday, they're still not in any rush. And the ECB also taking it slowly, we'll look at all of those today, plus the wash-up from the FOMC yesterday, plus the PMIs for Europe and the United States. It's Friday, the 17th of December, 2021, it's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a much weaker U.S. dollar—it's down 0.5 percent on the DXY and down a third of one percent against the Japanese yen. The pound, meanwhile, has climbed 0.4 percent. The Canadian dollar is up half percent, whilst the euro and the Aussie dollar are both up about a quarter percent. The Aussie getting close to 71.9 U.S. cents now. U.S. stocks are mixed. The Dow is up 0.2 percent. The S&P 500 is down half a percent, but the Nasdaq, well. 1.8% lower today. There's been a bad session for tech right across the board. Apple's down more than three uh, percent. Tesla's losing 4.3%. Adobe, uh, who had uh, less than expected revenue forecast, they're down 11%. Nvidia, the uh, the chip maker, losing six percent as well. While shares in Europe are up one percent or more on most indices, and oil is doing okay as well. WTI is up 2.3% this morning. Brent up 1.8. And uh, after the Fed yesterday. Ten-year Treasury yields are down three basis points, six down for two years, just uh, one basis point lower for 30 years, so some flattening happening. But, of course, that's not new news. Uh, If you look at the last month, two years have risen 10 basis points. Ten years have gone down 21 basis points. Um, Not a massive reaction in the UK to the Bank of England. Two, uh, two, five, ten and 30-year yields are all up a couple of basis points. So maybe we should start with the Bank of England first. Gavin Friend is uh, here from NAB in London. Uh, I mean, there was a question mark, wasn't there, of whether they would raise rates today, but they did. Ironically, they did it on a day that the UK hit a, a record for COVID infections. We're hearing Christmas parties have been cancelled because everyone wants to avoid getting the lurgy before they go and see their family at Christmas. The hospitality industry is calling for more financial support. Rishi Sunak's had to fly back from the United States to, to answer them. Not an environment you'd normally choose to uh, to lift rates. But having said that, it was a pretty small move, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I'm I think it was 15 basis points is neither here nor there. But it was the timing that caught everybody off guard. Remember, back in November, the Bank of England had teed up the market, fully priced for a 15 basis point move. It decided it wanted to... Um, have a look at the labour market numbers in the, in the months after that just to make sure there was no sort of cliff edge after the government's furlough scheme ended. There wasn't, and I don't think there was ever any risk of that. But, um, you know, since that point, even you know, the, 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 the commentary out of the bank has gone the switch the other way. We've had, as you say, the Omicron uh, virus coming in thick and fast. Um, even one of the most hawkish members on the MPC, Michael Saunders, uh, had played down the chances of a move, and so markets were, you know, you know, r- priced today really only a thirty percent chance uh, of a move. It wasn't totally out of the out of the question. I would just say, um, you know, taking taking a step back, it has been clear for some time now, since August actually, that the MPC wants to raise interest rates. It wanted to push rates up a little bit. Um, and it was a question of timing. It's just um, today was a surprise. The, 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 well, last, the time was a, the last time
0: was a surprise too. They seem to enjoy surprising everyone in each direction. It's an interesting concept, lifting lifting rates while still pursuing QE, isn't
1: it? Well, when I, st- strictly speaking, QE has now ended. They've stopped... Purchases actually yesterday, Um, so you know at at, at 895 billion pounds, they're not expanding the balance sheet anymore. The interesting, they're not running it down. They're not running it down, but here's the interesting thing. So in moving Thursday by 15 basis points, they've set the hairs running that there'll be further moves, uh, probably at the next meeting in February. So the market is about six basis points short of pricing in another 25. Uh, to 0.5% in February, and then maybe again, um, you know, to 0.75 May or August. The current guidance from the Bank of England is is that once rates get to 0.5%, they will actually stop reinvesting maturing uh, QE assets. So, you know, you'll get a double effect there, and actually there's a really big $28 Uh, pound maturity in March which wouldn't get reinvested so you'd get a 25 basis point rate hike if they do that then and you'd Mm. get um, a further tightening from the the non-reinvestment of that. I mean that's pretty punchy given um, the sort of headwinds that we've talked about before that the UK economy is facing in terms of higher uh, energy prices in terms of higher taxes coming down the line all the uncertainty over COVID I mean the, the Bank of England is taking a bit of a gamble here that Omicron is not going to turn out in the way that the government's medical advisers are saying that actually, you know, we're on we're on course for 200,000, maybe half a million cases per day and that on its modelling, they can't rule out something like eight at the worst case scenario, 8000 hospital admissions per day, which would overwhelm the NHS. Um, you know, you, you, you know and, that, and that's why, and that's why
0: economists were saying they'll sit on their hands and wait for that that, that information yeah. to clear. Perfectly sensible. Yeah, but, but, but not for the Bank of England, it seems. A much more cautious, just across the English Channel, a much more cautious approach from the ECB. Uh, still adamant they're not going to lift rates next year. PET will end in March, but their other asset purchases are going to continue. Uh, it is difficult to believe, isn't it? The ECB, Bank of England and the Fed are all living on the same planet. Uh, <laughs> very, very different approaches. They,
1: they are very different approaches. The one thing I would pick out, though, on the ECB is... Um, they have to you're right, they were always going to tell us um, that the PEP program will finish in March. That was always on the cards. What everybody was looking for was what are you going to do with the existing asset purchase pro- program, the APP, which is currently buying 20 billion a month? What are you going to do with that once you retire the PEP? And the expectation is, is that they would lift that slightly um, and give it perhaps an envelope through to the back end of next year or maybe uh, a year from that point, they have done that. We didn't think we'd get the detail on that today because, you know, with all the uncertainty, why do you need to finesse the detail on this until you get closer, until you get closer to sort of February or March? But they did. And actually, they've done less than the market thought. They've actually added an extra 40 billion for the second quarter per month. That then gets dialed back to 30 billion per month in Q3, back down to the original 20 billion per month in q4 and until rates go up so actually if you remove you know the pet program there's a sort of a, a 50 billion uh dial back or or drop off in asset purchases in q2 60 billion in q3 70 billion in q4 i mean that's that's the market wasn't prepared for that and that's why i think alongside what we heard from the fed yesterday you know we can talk about this in terms of yes it was hawkish, you know, the, the, the doubling of the tapering, the eight, the, the dot points giving us eight rate rises for the next three years 22, 23, 24. And Chairman Powell really, um, you know, doubling down on that sort of hawkish pivot that he did two weeks ago. But I think you take a step back from that and you say, what am I left with? Actually, markets, as we have seen, equities have rallied, um, you know, yield curves have actually steepened because the market said, well, if we, we really do buy that inflation-fighting credibility now that Chairman Powell is giving us in a way that he wasn't before, and therefore they can go early, they can go. It's a very few gradual rate hikes, and that's a nice environment for equities. It, 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 we don't know whether that's going to be what we're going to get when we get around the whole of next no. year. Yeah. Um, but at well, the so moment, they're buying it. My point is is that, that, that the surprise, therefore, in central banks has come from the Bank of England and the ECB with that PEP program or that APP program rather than
0: the Fed. And that's why you've got a
1: higher pound and that's why you've got a higher euro on the day.
0: And and look, the ECB and the Fed have both got a a, a bit of a get-out clause with Omicron. Well, and the Bank of England obviously as well. You know, everything can be reversed uh, if Omicron uh, goes haywire. So, I mean, they've got uh, in in a way, almost doesn't matter what they're saying now. They're they're sort of guiding the markets, but everyone knows that the the world could be a very different place in a few months.
1: That's absolutely right. And I think that was quite a smart move by the ECB. If everything's shaking if anything changes, you know, we are we already
0: pre-set up to reintroduce the mm. PET program. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, a swag of PMIs. Uh, most of them still above 50. Not all good news. U.S. manufacturing and services both fell from November, but they were they were expected to rise. But look, we're talking small numbers. Germany, the opposite for manufacturing, was expected to fall on no, in November, actually rose quite a bit. Although they had this big fall in service numbers. And that was the story across the Euro area, wasn't it? And for the U.K.,
1: Yeah. So the big issue here is the extent to which the virus is taking a further bite out of the service sector activity because Mm -hmm. of the restrictions and the the, the partial lockdowns, the severity of those through various countries, various jurisdictions. As you say, Germany pretty much front and centre. We don't get details on. Austria or Italy, I imagine that would be exactly the same because they're suffering as well. France was the kind of standout. Actually, activity in the service sector, they're held up. And that's because they're not seeing such severe restrictions. Um, I would just point out they have shut the border to the UK from Saturday uh, because of the sheer number of cases Mm. uh, of of Omicron in the UK, 78,000 yesterday, 88,000 today. Um, So that's not going to help, really, the service sector activity uh, over the Christmas period in France. Um, In the US, though, again... You just don't see the same kind of level of disruption. And so service sector activity there on this market measure uh, holding up quite well. The UK, similarly to Germany uh, and and other parts where, you know, these lockdowns or the, the restrictions are becoming... Quite, uh, quite hard. I mean, the city of London has pretty much emptied out. Yeah, well, it's a, like a self. It's
0: a self-imposed lockdown now in the UK, isn't it? I mean, there's <laughs> there's no restrictions, but people are too scared to go out. So, uh, the, yeah. the the scientists have scared the living daylights out of it. I mean, the government doesn't have to do anything, so that's obviously going to have an impact on numbers. Uh, but it, I'm, I'm wondering about the UK, uh, about the US, though, because I'm seeing other mixed signs. So, we uh, industrial production in November was weaker than expected. The Philly Fed business conditions fell sharply. New orders, in particular, fell from an index of 47.4 down to 13.7 so none of that sounds particularly good but then you look at you know positive sign housing starts are up the the highest uh, for eight months now that presumably means builders are confident that they can get what they need to start building in terms of people and materials so that sort of would suggest that things are picking up
1: yeah i mean on that housing starts you're right i mean starts running ahead of permits running ahead of sales um, it, it might be that the weather is more mild and maybe something to do with it. But to, mm. to your point, I think you're you're you're, you're suggesting that, you know, you know, constructors are anticipating there is strong demand and they need to build
0: inventory. That would certainly be one read through on that. So we'll see how, how that pans out. Well, course, demand and, and also supply. You know, they feel like they can get the workers and they feel as yeah. though they're going to get the materials. So yeah. they feel like yeah. supply chains are easing up.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the message actually from the PMI is just switching back again. The message outside of the hit to the service sector in the manufacturing sector through Germany, through France, through the UK and through the US, distinct um, signs of price pressures. Peaking last month in November, now starting to roll over a bit. Actually, in the US, two months now are coming a bit lower. And, and you know, you talk about the Philly Fed survey. Um, yes, it was weak at the headline level. It's been very volatile, actually, on the headline in the last two or three months. Doesn't seem to corroborate with we haven't had the December read on the ISM yet, but that's been pretty strong to now. The Empire stuff out in New York has been pretty strong, but the detail again shows less price pressures. You know, some some nascent evidence started to accumulate here now that you know order deliveries, the backlogs, those kinds of things, price pressures starting to ease, and it's coming through a number of different surveys. A long way to go yet on this, but this has got to be good news, and I think. It's not. It's not going to be long before this thing starts to gallop a little bit, and actually, it will be a, quite a major story.
0: Now, the weekly jobless claims just finishing off in the United States—they were up a little bit. I've got to be very careful about that because last time I—I I talked about them being up. Uh, Ray was, you know, gave me a rap over the knuckles and said, "You know, you've got to look at the number though. Comparatively, two hundred six thousand new claims last week." which is pretty much where it was before the pandemic and, you know, much lower than the long run average. So uh, even though they're up a little, still good numbers. Look, uh, also amazing numbers. The Australian employment numbers yesterday, much more than expected. 366,000 new jobs, a record high. The consensus, I think, was expecting around 200,000. The unemployment rate's gone from 5.2% down to 4.6%. So, uh, you know, you'd, you'd be thinking, Philip Lowe was talking yesterday, that he'd be sounding a little bit more uh, hawkish wouldn't you but still pushing back on on those expectations he said you know 2022 for a rate rise was unlikely he didn't mention 2024 which he normally did so perhaps he's thinking 2023 but given those uh, those job numbers it's still very slow isn't it
1: um yeah i mean it, it, it's a great report isn't it you know um even if they're of 366 new jobs 238 part-time i guess that's seasonal. Um, but we've got, as you say, the jobless rate now getting back down to uh, 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 post-pandemic lows or getting down towards that 4.5%. The all-time low is a little bit off. That's at 4% back in 2008. But the drop in the jobless rate comes despite the rise in the participation rate up to 66.1 almost back to the highs of 66.3 from 64.7 so i mean that's that's doubly good news you know you've got strong job gains and more people coming back into the labor labor market hours worked surging four and a half percent on the month the underemployment rate falling two full percentage points to seven and a half percent so i mean i think that the thing about philip low he did actually say that i mean he's pushing continuously to push back on the rate uh, path, but um, you know he did kind of hint that uh, if we start to see uh, more strength in some of these indicators versus what's in the S O M P, then that uh, would suggest that you know Q E will be dialed back or ending. Um, you know around the February time it's certainly been our view uh, and, and the data today, the data we saw overnight um, suggests that, that that will be the case that the RBA will end QE in February. and I think I think in fairness Philip Lowe is probably
0: um, acknowledging that as well right well thank goodness after a a pretty busy couple of days we've got a fairly quiet friday ahead we get the anz business confidence report and the outlook uh, activity outlook for new zealand as well for december the german ifo expectations that's about it i think things will start to quieten down for christmas now won't they
1: they will, they will. Including
0: you. Uh, that's the last time we've got you on before uh, the new year. So uh, have a good Christmas and uh, thanks for joining us all through this year. Thanks, Gavin. And you, Phil. Have a good one. We've still got a few more in us. Uh, we'll do those early next week. I'll see you on Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for joining us.